Welcome to a Millennial's Guide to Real Estate Investing. Here is your host, Antoine Martel. Welcome. Thanks for coming on here. Um, so this is going to be a new series that I wanted to start doing. It's just answering your questions. So real estate investing Q&A answered by me live. I'm recording this. Um, the, there's a million different ways that people reach out to me with questions and stuff like that. One of the biggest ones is going to be Instagram DM. So I'm starting there because I have a lot there. And really, it takes a lot of time to go through all that. So <laughs> I thought that I might as well do it live, record myself. Um, and then I'll put like the... I'll put a screenshot of what the people are asking, actually asking, and then I'll answer the question. We'll go for like 10, 15 minutes before my next phone call. Um, and then you guys can continue DMing me, continue me asking me questions. Hopefully you can pick up some good information from this first episode of um, real estate investing Q&A with me, Anton Martel. So I just went live on Instagram, so I got a bunch more questions. So let's just get it started. Um, question number one from Gabe. Question, if you had to start over today with the original, the 40, the 40 grand from uh, IRA money and the knowledge you've gained in the last four to six years, how would you move forward? What would you do more quickly and what would you do specifically of specifically, what would you specifically avoid on the journey? Um, so if I have $40,000 again and I can do it all again with my current knowledge, I would do exactly the same thing. I would just be a little bit more well-prepared. So when I first went and bought that first property, I just had no idea what was going to happen? How was I going to refinance? There was all these questions that were going to come down the line. Um, but I just kind of went for it and started, just bought the property, renovated it, kind of built my team as I went, refinanced it, found a lender as I needed it kind of thing. Um, so I would just be a little bit more well-planned, but with 40 grand, I would definitely do what I did exactly the same way, which was pretty much do a burst strategy. Um, but again, that's because I didn't really have a W-2 income. I was working you know, I wanted to do this full time. I was doing this full time. I didn't have a job. I had the time to fly to Memphis and do all this stuff. I had the time to to fuck up, to build the team and all that kind of stuff. So me personally, that's what I would do over again because I didn't have a full time job. I didn't have any W-2 income. Um, and so that I would just do it all over again, do the burst strategy if you can do it full time. And if you have the opportunity and ability to fuck up. So that is question number one. All right, so now on to question number two. This question comes from Mr. Joe Bravo. Hey, how's it going, bro? My name's Joe Bravo. My question is, if your credit isn't the best, but you have good equity in your investment property, how would you start in the real estate game? So it's really hard to get started in real estate investing if you have bad credit, just because the interest rates are going to be super high for you. Um, but there is one way to get around it. So if you have good equity in your, in your investment property, I would definitely try to refinance that property. Either refinance with a lender who is currently financing that property, see if they give a shit about your credit score and if your credit score is good. If they do care about your credit score, then maybe find a different lender or just don't refinance right now. Um, I would go and try to refinance that property or sell it and take that cash. Credit is something that you're gonna have to eventually work on. Don't put it off for very long. I would get started on working on your credit right away. Um, so I would definitely get started on that no matter what happens. Um, but I mean, you can pull out the money, use that money to then go and buy more rental properties, but you're going to have to have good credit. Um, so it's all going to come back to bite you in the ass. Eventually take care of your credit. Credit is very important when you are investing in real estate. Question number three comes from 
Andrew C. Hello, I have a quick question about wholesaling, if you don't mind. I'm just starting out and going through the motions of wholesaling. Already found a couple buyers in my area, but still on the lookout for sellers. But my question is, how did you create a good system for leads and obtaining more buyers? So for obtaining more buyers, it's all about marketing and adding, adding and giving value to um, the other person on the other end. So that's what I would start doing is just creating pieces of content. Tell people, you know, if you're wholesaling in a place where people are going to flip your homes, okay, well, how do you get more? How do you convince more people to flip houses in that area? Is there something that you know about that area that's happening that most people don't know about that you can publicize and be the mouth and the voice in that neighborhood or zip code to bring more buyers in? Because then they're like, okay, well, um, Andrew C told me about this neighborhood and why this neighborhood is good and what's going on in this neighborhood. Great. Oh, now I'm also on his list of all these properties in the same neighborhood that he told me about, which now I can go and buy and rehab and resell. Right. So um, I would I would think that a great place to start would be content um, and also just networking. So if you if you think that people and your buyers are going to be local investors, then just start network, networking your ass off. Go on bigger pockets. I say this all the time. Go on bigger pockets. Network with everybody on bigger pockets in your zip code. Just send them a message. Say, hey, my name is Andrew, I'm a real estate investor. I have some deals that I am looking to get rid of and just make a wholesale fee. Um, here's the deals I have under contract. Um, and you can do that at the meeting, but to get, you know, to have those people sit down with you for coffee, just say, Hey, I'm a real estate investor just looking to get started. Would love to pick your brain and just go on many coffee dates as you can. And you'll learn a lot just with those little coffee dates. All right. This question comes from Elton. He says, Hey, Antoine, I like your post about buying property out of state. I have a question. I'm currently invested in the Bay Area. What challenges, differences do you have in getting pre-approved and managing properties out of state versus home state? So I think that investing out of, first of all, I came from the Bay Area, Elton, so I know exactly how you feel. I grew up in San Mateo. Um, so a super impossible place to invest. I tried to invest there for about a year and then quickly realized I didn't have enough money um, to lose pretty much to, uh, to compete with all the guys who were, who were investing there already. Um, so challenges to investing locally, um, especially in California with rental properties, it's just very expensive. Um, most properties don't cash flow. You also have to deal with the landlord tenant laws, which favor the tenants over the landlord. So you're really starting a rental property portfolio in a place that is unfavorable to you. And why would you do that? So I first went out of state, started buying properties there where landlords are more favored than tenants. You know, you can evict tenants at a faster pace. Um, you're more in control of your properties and who's living in them and all that kind of stuff. So you're just in more control. Also, the prices are probably a 20th of the price. So you can buy a house for, um, you know, 70, 80, 90,000 bucks. It comes with tenants in place, property management, the whole nine yards. You don't have to deal with any of the that's kind of stuff. And you find a property management company on the ground. So that's the most important part of all this is finding that good property management company. For our turnkey rentals, we give all of our clients property management services already included. So that kind of takes the burden away from that. Um, but I think that if you, um, if you go and just do it yourself, just make sure you're asking the right questions to these property management companies to make sure that they're gonna help you along the way and that they're gonna help you um, with your rental properties throughout the life cycle of your property. All right, and one final question. The executor says, what tool are you using to appraise property in order to make an offer prior to being under contract and the bank doing their appraisal? All right, that's a good question. Um, so what tool you, are you using to appraise property? So first of all, we don't appraise any properties. Properties are all appraised by the bank. So the bank gets to choose the appraiser. Um, 
and they have like a pool of appraisers that they choose from. Nobody really has a say. People think that I get to choose the appraiser that goes through. I wish I did. Um, I ha have no say. That's a Fannie Mae conventional financing regulation. I have no say in which appraiser goes through. What I do to figure out the value of the property when it's all said and done is I use what are called comps or comparable properties. So I'll take three um, very similar type properties, maybe same bedroom, bathroom count, same square footage within a mile radius. I'll see, look at all the photos, make sure they're fully renovated to my standards of what I'm gonna renovate my property to. I'll take those three properties and find the average sale price um, for those three properties to come up with a value that I see the property is gonna be worth when things are all said and done. So that's what I do, three recently sold comparable properties. You can find that on Zillow, Trulia, Redfin, just go and look for sold properties. Um, that's what I would do. Um, that's how you can come up with the value um, of your property. And then, of course, we we kind of know what the properties are going to appraise for because we do so many deals in these markets, in these neighborhoods. So that helps us a lot. Um, and so that's what I would do is just find three recent sold comps to figure out what that after repair value would be. Appraisers, when they go and do their homework, they're going to be very diligent. So you know, if you can find five or ten comparable properties, then you'll feel even safer and take the average of all of them to make yourself feel even safer um, because trust me, appraisers and appraisals always come in below what you think. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, everybody. Um, make sure to go follow me on Instagram, Martel Antoine um, on Instagram. Feel free to shoot me a DM um, and in the DM, just ask your question directly. I'll be recording more of these if you guys do enjoy them, if you do like them. Um, I wanna keep on answering your questions. Um, so please feel free to continue to shoot me a DM and I would love to answer many more of your questions. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can get more of these notifications as they come up. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.